Hello and welcome back to the Master Your Voice podcast, a podcast for singers about singing. I'm your host, vocal pedagogue and soprano, Heidi Voss. Today, I am thrilled to bring you an interview on a topic that so many singers are concerned about, and that's vocal health. So we're talking today with otolaryngologist, or as some people might say, ENT, Haig Panosian. Haig is a really, really impressive otolaryngologist who studied specifically the singing voice. And I think you're going to really appreciate his insights on the treatment and the care of the singing voice. I will say I apologize a little bit about some of the audio. We're having a little glitchy times with Zoom, but I do think the content is well, well worth your time. So, hi, Panosian. Thank you so much for coming to the Master Your Voice podcast. I'm really excited to introduce you to my audience. Well, thank you very much, Heidi. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So, I'm going to just boost your ego for just a hot second and talk a little bit about what you do um, and why I'm really excited to introduce you to my audience. So um, Dr. Panosian is an ENT or otolaryngologist. Is there much of a difference between those terms? Same thing. Different words. Just fancier sounding? Gotcha. Okay. More technical. (laughs) <laughs> so the reason the reason I wanted to bring him on is because not only is he an otolaryngologist and ENT, which we love these docs, these ear, nose, throat doctors, um, but in particular, he has a lot of experience with working with classical singers and the singing voice in general with an amazing pedagogy, pedi- pedigree, sorry, not pedagogy, pedigree, um, working with the singers from AVA in Philadelphia and... Um, the Voice Foundation and working specifically with Dr. Sadiloff. So when I heard about that, I was like, I've got to meet this guy because if you know anything about vocal pedagogy and the world of singing science, he's pretty much the top of the game. So yeah. can you tell me a little bit about how you got involved with otolaryngology in general and how specifically you honed in on working with singers? Yeah, sure. So um, when I was in uh, medical school in Boston at BU, um, I started to get interested in uh, in ENT. Um, ENT is a cool field because it is kind of like a little focused part of the body, but there's so much specialized different things that go on in that area. So there's, you know, all the, the hearing as well as breathing, voice, which is what we do also the sinuses and, you know, the nose as well as the base of the skull. So I was like, wow, that's a lot of really interesting anatomy packed into a small little space. So I started kind of going to the ENT meetings and, uh, and at one of those meetings, we had Dr. Steven Zytels, who was a graduate of BU and a very world-renowned singing voice specialist laryngologist. And he had come and given us a, a talk and shown this video of um, Steven Tyler singing Dream On. And we're like watching him as he's doing an exam of his larynx as he's singing. Um, and I just thought that was just the coolest thing. So um, then I kind of went into my residency after graduating medical school in otolaryngology, had a neck surgery uh, at Mount Sinai in New York City. 
And um, while I was there, kind of, you know, did all the different things and, you know, decided at some point that, you know, it was really laryngology that I was most interested in. So that's why I decided to do the fellowship and fortunately got to match with Dr. Sadaloff and went down and spent a year with him in Philadelphia. I can't imagine any better person to match with when it comes to that particular aspect of your field. Yeah, yeah. That was one thing about Dr. Sadaloff's spe- um, actual group of patients is that he mostly sees singers and professional singers. And I had gotten great training at Mount Sinai in kind of other aspects of laryngology as well in terms of uh, airway and cancer of that area. But I hadn't really had a lot of the office based, um, you know, seeing singers and really classical singers and learning that aspect of things. So that's why I thought that was something that I wanted to see more of. And Dr. Sadoff was awesome for that. Yeah. And so just to clarify, AVA is American Vocal Academy, I believe. Um, it's the premier training ground for opera singers in possibly the world. If you get into it, it's free. Uh, it's yeah. an incredible, incredible training ground for singers. And when you think about singers being athletes, it's ground zero. It's mm-hmm. the most incredible place for top-notch, top-notch talent. So you're working with people for whom singing is really their field. They're, they're going into that and they're doing it at such a high level. They're, they're going to be singing all over the world and have powerhouse careers. Yeah. So the stakes are really high to get, to get your job right when you're working with singers like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, and those students were coming from all over the world too. I found that, you know, a lot of their paths were really interesting because, um, you know, they were kind of like, early 20s for the most part kind of coming in on this you know full scholarship so really um they were interested in developing that you know classic you know opera opera style singing voice and that was a world i wasn't really that familiar with kind of not being a a singer you know trained singer or anything myself so um you know it was really fun to meet those students and i got to kind of be their little personal doctor for for the year which was a really great learning experience obviously under the the guidance of Dr. Sadaloff and his supervision. Um, but that's kind of where I got to spread my wings a little bit that year. That's amazing. And I, I do recall you saying that even though you're not a singer, you did a little bit of singing that year. <laughs> uh, I did. I did. Yes. Uh, that was See, one. My memory aspect. is solid. I'm good. Yes. yes you recall that. <laughs> uh, it was, uh, so Dr. Sadaloff actually taught, um, at, at one point at Thomas Jefferson university, he was on faculty there. Uh, and he was actually a student there. So he had developed the med school choir, um, which was all people from the medical center that were interested in singing. Love it. And, uh, so that was a required part of my fellowship was that I had to go to choir practice and like practice and perform. And, uh, we did the Christmas, um, you know, concert and, I was the first time I had been in any sort of choir since middle school. So it was very <laughs> scary, um, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, my family came down from uh, from home and watched the concert and they, they had a good time. I love it. Well, you know what? My audience is going to be super curious. Tenor, bass? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely a baritone. A baritone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such a fun little like sidebar. So, you know, the reason I ask you is then, you know, when a singer walks into your office, a little bit about the psychology of them just coming in. So we were talking earlier about singing is not just about the physical function. It's about 
the way we mentally approach it and how yeah. important the voice is to those of us who sing. It's such a big piece of our identity. Mm-hmm. So it's really a hoot to hear that you had actually sing in choir and hopefully that you enjoyed it and you got a little inside baseball view of what it's like to be a singer. Yeah, no, it, it was a lot of fun. And it was fun because I wasn't a, isolated at all. I was in a large group of people, which made it a you know, because I cannot imagine the bravery that it takes <laughs> to be a soprano soloist because any mistake and everyone knows and that's uh, very well, scary. Well, the secret is it's not bravery, it's just ego. Yeah, <laughs> sure. I'm sure it helps. I'm sure, I wish I, I wish I had a little bit of that, actually. It's, it would probably help. It's pretty solid and pretty, pretty, pretty darn fun. Um, so why specifically... You said you wanted to learn about singers because you were inspired by Steven Tyler, right? Essentially. Yeah, that specific video and, you know, and kind of like learning a little bit more about um, the kind of the challenges and, and stuff. Because, you know, I think I mentioned to you that a lot of people, you know, are professional voice users. I mean, I'm a doctor. It's really hard for me to do my job if I can't communicate with others. And um, teachers are professional voice users and Absolutely. they're very poor habits a lot of times. Um, you know, priests, rabbis, all, you know, a lot of people really rely on their voice, but um, the demands of singers are next level. So, you know, you really have to um, be an excellent clinician, but also be a good doctor, you know, take care of the whole patient. Um, not just the anatomy. And, you know, I find that to be really fun and challenging, but in a good way, you know, and, you know, I've listened to the podcast, so I know that you kind of talk about singers as being vocal athletes. And that's time. definitely a mantra that Dr. Sadaloff preached as well. So, yeah, All I the time. believe in that. Well, it's, it's great to hear specifically from someone in your field to know that if you're walking into your office, that you're going to know essentially the mindset we're coming in with you know, the gravity that it is. It's not just, you know, I've got this lump on my shoulder kind of a thing. No, it's, it's actually a huge part of our identity to be a singer. Um, so with that in mind, I'm going to get into a little bit of detail and a little bit of brass tacks, because I think a lot of singers, you know, luckily having you on the podcast will be interested in hearing your side of the field and some of the things you see, um, and particularly the, the, things you treat and things to look out for all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go through some of that uh, sure. in the next segment. So I'm going to ask you a little bit, um, what are the most common issues that you see in your practice as it pertains to singers? Yeah. I mean, I would say as far as commonly, it's very oftentimes people coming in worried that they hurt themselves. You know, I mean, you have a long run of performances or you've been really training hard to do this new piece um, and you feel like you your range is not exactly what it was or you're having a difficulty with a certain section of of the piece Um, and I, I guess the concern is that is there something anatomically that is holding me back um uh so that that's a common concern um it's oftentimes not the case when we do an examination. So just to kind of, you know, reassure your, your listeners a little bit, sometimes it's just that maybe you're doing something that you haven't asked your body to do in a long time, or it's different, or, and, you know, a lot of times, honestly, it's just the stress and the, and the tension of, 
you know, having something big coming up and feeling like you have to perform and this is going to be maybe a big break for you. Um, and that can lead to a lot of tension and, you know, the back muscles, the neck muscles, and you're not, you, you kind of fall out of some of the good technique that it takes. Um, so that's a common thing, you know, I mean, we do oftentimes also see a lot of little lumps and bumps and things like that. And, um, you know, sometimes those can be really concerning for, for a singer, for a patient, but a lot of times we're able to get most of the time, I would say, actually, we're able to get singers through all of that without having to do surgery. Um, I'm sure that's something we'll talk about more. Um, a lot of times it's, you know, like a little bit of overuse, you know, it's a little bit of, uh, swelling of the, of the vocal folds, you know, it could just be that they've just kind of been a little bit overworked and, um, need to be kind of, you know, taken care of a little bit, just in terms of just standard things, like not necessarily going on strict voice rest or not necessarily anything about um, necessarily needing like steroid shots or steroid pills, anything like that. Um, but sometimes just giving your body a little bit of a chance to recover from all of the vocal exercise that you're doing. So basically self-care and making sure that you're, you're being aware of the stressors and the taxes that you're asking your instrument in your body to do. Yeah. That's huge feedback, you know, and just kind of listening to your body. Yeah. So frequently, the biggest fear most singers I ever hear say, do I have nodes? Yeah, yeah. Right? Do, do you get that a lot? Like singers coming in, I just want to make sure I don't have nodes. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> and, and I don't know if that's something that, you know, like I said, not a singer, um, but I don't know if that's something people learn about when they're young and they're worried about developing them. Um, you know, like we call them, like our medical term for it is vocal fold nodules. Um, and you know, that those are really like an overuse and actually from abuse, you know, um, most people shouldn't develop nodules because that's kind of like scarring and stiffness, um, in the vocal folds and people who are like constant chronic screamers get that, you know? So, um, or sometimes people get them transiently when they're like teenagers and they kind of grow out of it. So, um, I think that's always, always in the backup singer's mind and it's like probably the least frequent diagnosis. So, okay. Since you said it's the least frequent, what is the most frequent? Is yeah. I would say the use? most frequent is like the muscle tension strain, you know, um, where like you look at the, at the larynx on, on an exam, um, which we do with, you know, camera down the nose or in the throat and it's looks okay. You know, I mean, you don't really see nothing pops out at you. Um, and a lot of it is just kind of like all those neck muscles are working extra hard. Maybe you're not getting the breath support you need to be getting. Um, you know, we see a lot of mild kind of swelling in kind of the, the back part of the larynx close to, uh, where you swallow the esophagus. So, um, you know, we, a lot of times we call that kind of silent reflux that's super common in society in general. Yeah. Um, so then we also see it in, in singers too, you know, especially cause, um, a lot of times singers lifestyle and habits don't necessarily lend themselves to healthy eating times and healthy eating in general. Yeah. Well, I often yeah. say like with, with GERD and, and acid reflux, the way that we breathe and the way that we train singers to breathe, I wonder how good that can be for the digestive system. We're constantly yeah. putting pressure on literally on the stomach. Yeah. And like there's um, so many singers have issues with that. Yeah. So one of the things I tend to, I tend to tell even my singers, like are you, if you're having a lot of heartburn, try to take care of it because it right. can become a problem. 
Am yeah, I and very wrong? Am I giving? No, advice? no, no. You're right. And then you know that's definitely true. And then you know sometimes it's uh, it's hard because you know you don't want to be kind of you know maybe necessarily like singing on a full stomach, you know, because right. then you're just putting all that you know stress and tension on the stomach. Sometimes that can um, that can aggravate some reflux or. Um, but then again, you also don't want to be eating a big meal at, you know, at the end of the night when you're all done with rehearsal and everything and going to bed with a full stomach either. So, um, that's just a super common issue just in society. And then people, you know, have like, you know, environmental seasonal allergies, you know, hay fever, um, and then, you know, light asthma, things like that. So, uh, you know, a lot of things play into it and, you know, singers are not unlike the rest of society where especially like that's that's super common and but you do you just have to work through it in a different way yeah probably be a little more careful in terms of how you navigate your own health and wellness because it does impact your voice yeah absolutely yeah yeah yeah. and then being careful of how you treat it because a lot of the treatments are gonna impact your voice you know um like allergy treatment a lot of singers take um you're not singers but people in general with allergies take antihistamines which can dry you out and then Mm -hmm your vocal folds might not vibrate so smooth. So maybe you have to put in a little extra emphasis and that causes some strain. Um, and it's just kind of like a negative feedback kind of uh, loop a little bit sometimes. I think one of the problems too, when you're talking about muscle tension, one, uh, I know I've had muscle tension before and you'll go to a, not an ENT doc that works for singers and they'll be like, you know, take three Tylenol. <laughs> yeah. Um, I seem to recall you saying that wasn't a good plan. Yeah. Yeah. So take a bunch of Tylenol and then sing on that. Yeah. You know, well, I agree. I mean, I generally agree that it's not all like, it's not a great idea just to be taking anti-pain medicine and just kind of working through it because, um, sometimes that can kind of mask the issue that you're having. Uh, you know, like, why did you develop that pain intention? You know what? And and you don't want to just kind of numb your body to it and then not get the, to the root cause of what's causing it. Um, there is, you know, like a little bit of a subtle difference in terms of uh, Tylenol versus uh, Advil or Motrin because those are, um, you know, ibuprofen and that can cause like a little bit of an ex- increased risk of bleeding. Um, and vocal fold hemorrhage is one of the, the main kind of like things that we really want to be careful of and, and avoid. And that so. sounds horrendous. Yeah, that's one of those very rare diagnoses, but that's one of those true you know, emergencies, things where you just absolutely want to shut it down. And that's, that's one of the rare indications for like actual voice rest, meaning stop singing until this gets better. Yeah. Now, and this is because singers are so paranoid. And I will yes. say that because singing is such so much a part of our, our psyches and our, our identities. We get really paranoid about, is this a catastrophic event? Yes. Most of the time, is it a catastrophic event? Very rarely, very rarely. But, you know, it's it's hard to know. Um, and, you know, I think one of those red flags that I caution singers about is if you feel like your voice changed acutely, you know, you were singing and everything was going fine. And then all of a sudden something happened, something changed and it doesn't feel right and it doesn't sound good. Um, that may be one of those things to just be take it cautious and um, then try to go see an ENT. Um, if you ha- already have a relationship with an ENT, I think it's really good. Um, I think if you're taking singing, you know, seriously and professionally, it's great to have a baseline exam when you're feeling good because when you come in and you have a problem, 
it's hard to know what to compare it to. So that's actually something we did with the AVA students is, you know, when we brought them in and we kind of had a whole day with them to kind of teach them anatomy, things like that. You know, we examined all those all those students that day and recorded their examinations on, you know, what we call stroboscopy tower. And that way we said, okay, now we have kind of like a baseline for all of you guys. Now over the course of the year, if you have any issues, you come back, we can compare it to this and see if there's anything there. So, you know, I mean, I know there's, you know, cost and discomfort in terms of going to see the doctor and kind of getting that exam, but it is pretty valuable if you know you're going to be in an area for a while and you're going to be able to stick with the doctor for a while to have a, a good exam when you're feeling good. Um, on record and doctors don't mind, especially people who, who deal with singers, you know, we're happy to have that too. To have the information for later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I think one thing I would say to your audience is not all ENTs are the same, you know, some, some ENTs do mostly, you know, like hearing loss, earwax and stuffy nose and allergies. Um, and other people may specialize in something else, but you know, if you do care about your singing, it's worth it to seek somebody out who either has been doing it for a long time and, um, has an interest in singers or, or somebody who is like actually a fellowship trained laryngologist. Um, part of that is just because if we are, then we'll actually have the equipment that it takes um, to do, uh, you know, a good assessment and, and examination. And that's usually a, a stroboscopy tower is what we call it. So um, the, uh, the strobe light kind of allows us to watch the vibration of the vocal folds and see everything in really in a lot of detail. Um, and not every ENT office is going to have one of those. So it's worth it to do a little bit of research and make sure you're going to somebody who has that equipment in that particular specialty. It's like a specialty inside of a specialty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. So in terms of diagnosis, treatment, prognosis, when someone has an issue like nodes, for example, what is the timeline that they often have in terms of, of healing? Because you, you yeah. I'm going to assume most of the time if they need surgery or just, it's usually surgery, right? Or, or just therapy, voice therapy. Yeah, for nodules, because it's like a vocal abuse thing, we always start with, we try to get like excellent voice therapy first, you know, from the, from the speech language pathologist who's trained in voice um, and kind of go through that for a while and then reassess, you know, if the nodules aren't responding to therapy, um, then you then you might recommend surgery. But generally, nodules are not a surgical treatment. Mm -hmm. Um you know, other things like a vocal fold polyp or a cyst or something where you're actually going to surgery to cut something off of the vocal fold, um, then that does require a bit of recovery time because generally most, most laryngologists, I would say, would recommend voice rest absolute for maybe like somewhere between five and seven days and then gentle voice use. So, you know, you're not going to start singing in week two after surgery. You're going to start using your voice a little bit. And then under the guidance of a speech pathologist kind of increasing more and more and more. Um, but we wouldn't want you to get out to like full blown going out there, performing your heart out probably for a couple of months after surgery. So it does take some time in terms of recovery, but sometimes it can take a couple of months just for the voice therapy to kind of kick in and resolve the issue if surgery is not required too. Yeah. But, but, but you're not talking you about a time horizon that's like three years. No, 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 no. Very, very unlikely that that's an issue. You know, I mean, that, um, 
yeah, that should generally should not be the case. Yeah. Very fascinating. These are all the questions that uh, I, I asked my my Master Your Voice Facebook group. What questions do you have for Dr. Pernosian? Yeah. Um, what, what, what kind of fears? And it's not just that too. Like I hear singers all the time come in and they ask, okay, when do I know I should be on vocal rest? That's another one of the questions I get a lot. When do I know stop singing? That's just such a tough one. You know, I mean, I think you do have to kind of listen to your body a little bit, kind of like what I mentioned before. If it's, there's a big difference between, oh, I'm getting more and more tired or my voice is not doing what it was doing two years ago, three years ago, versus my voice is not doing what it was doing two days ago. Right. You know, I think that um, when you kind of notice one of those acute changes, it's worth being a little bit more cautious. Um, and because that's one of those situations where something acute like a hemorrhage may have happened. And the only way of really diagnosing that is going to be with, you know, a laryngoscopy. So you do have to kind of go in and see the doctor um, to see if there's like an acute injury to the vocal cords. Well, and then sometimes it could just be, I just have laryngitis because I have post-nasal drip. Sure. Yeah, right? absolutely. That, yeah. Like, it will resolve itself. So what's the timeline? So if you're thinking about, all right, when do I call an ENT? Should I wait a couple of weeks just to see if it's just post-nasal drip or an allergy? Yeah, it, it kind of depends on your requirements too. You know, I mean, if you're just like in your semester and you're a student and you're learning and you have some time and you can take a little bit of a break, then sure, give it some time, do some homeopathic remedies and, you know, just make sure that you're staying hydrated and take it a little bit easier on the load and see if it kind of resolves itself. Um, it's a little bit tougher if you had a show last night and you're planning on performing again tonight or tomorrow. Um, that's when it's, it's, you know, it's tough. Um, obviously, a lot of times those things are on the weekends and, you know, somebody in the ER is not going to have necessarily this, uh, this capability. So I'm not advocating for that. Um, but if you've gotten yourself to that point, you know, it's probably worth it to be cautious. And if you know, you, you know, I think probably calling an understudy is everyone's worst nightmare um, because you don't want to lose your chance. You don't want to miss that performance. So um, yeah, that's why it's kind of worth it to have a, a doctor that you know that has examined you before. And then if something does change, you know, acutely, that's something you can kind of go back to and, and see. So now do you, do you, is there a solution to, okay, I, I'm not feeling hundred percent feel like I'm getting a little bit of laryngitis. I've got a performance tomorrow night. Yeah. Is there a solution tough. to that? That's pretty tough. It is tough. You know, a lot of um, like my singing patients are extroverts, you know, I mean, they go around talking all day. Uh -huh. um, and, and what another of Dr. Sadaloff's mantra was, don't talk, don't use your voice unless they're paying you to, you know, so <laughs> really, you know, shut it down, make sure that you're doing your you know, vocal cool downs after your performances. And then as you're going through your warm ups, you know, check in with yourself, see how, see how you're doing. Um, if it just feels a little tired, a little strained, then, you know, that's probably something that you're going to try to work through. You're going to try to push through, even if I tell you that you shouldn't, you know? Um, but if it's something that is drastically different, you know, you could be harming yourself more than, more than you should. So, there's no one right answer and every situation is going to be personalized to, to the patient. So, um, it's hard to give great advice on that, you know, but it's, 
it's hard to be cautious and then also not miss your opportunity that you've been practicing and rehearsing for. So you kind of have to listen to your body. And the reality is the odds of you actually, if you push through it, the odds of you doing permanent damage. Yeah. Permanent damage is very rare. You know, it might be like a, might be something that you is going to take longer to recover from, but it's hard to cause so much damage to the vocal folds that it's quite permanent. You know, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, athletes, you know, very few guys are running out there in the NBA who have perfect knees, per, you know, perfect joints. But, you know, and I think it's the same thing for singers, um, you know, just based on my, you know, time with, you know, Dr. Sadoff, especially where seeing some really elite level, you know, vocal athletes and you, you know, as younger singers, you may think, oh, they must have perfect looking vocal cord. They must have something anatomically (laughs) incredible that I can't mess up. And you'd be surprised. Yeah. No, it's not so the case. Like people work through like little, you know, little bumps and things like that, and they still sound really good. So it's, uh, yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about doing like permanent forever harm to your voice. Yeah. That's a wonderful piece of advice because I think so many singers worry about everything that yes. comes that, that has to do with their voice. They just think anything they do, they're going to, they're going to wreck it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I always, I always joke technically. I'm like, if you do certain things, technically they are insurance policies. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot of things to your voice before you get to the point where you've done damage. Yeah. And I, and I think if you're smart about training, you're going to mitigate a lot of those impacts and those effects. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely agree. Wonderful. So thinking proactively as a singer, um, are there any lifestyle choices or tips that you would suggest aside from, I love the idea of developing a relationship specifically with an ENT or an autolaryngologist, uh, someone that you trust that you could call on, you know, on a Friday afternoon, because getting in to see you guys is really hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're very yeah. Busy people. Yeah. So it's probably great to try to establish a relationship with one of you guys um, prior to any issues, because it could take you a couple months to get in to see one of you. Yes, yes, that can be the case. If, if you know, you know, that's why it's nice to not be to have to be an established patient, you know, that way. Um, I mean, I know my singers when I see their names pop up, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, sure. You know, like I understand, like we can squeeze him or her in tonight. That's fine. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You'll make an accommodation for them. But any, anything aside from that, like any other lifestyle or health tips for singers, things to think about. I think you mentioned a little bit about, you know, don't eat before you go to bed. Mm -hmm. Think about anything else like that, that you would want to the ideal lifestyle for a singer to maintain their vocal health? Yeah, I mean, sure. Ideal lifestyle for a lot of people, but, in, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, be, you know, I think people know the things that are harmful to their voice and their throat. You know um, I know most singers are very cautious about, you know, obviously smoking and, you know, alcohol um, and maybe you don't want to be eating like really spicy food, you know, the day before performance, just because it's going to aggravate something, you know, so, so be, be gentle and cautious, you know, being hydrated is really important. Um, like, you know, humidifiers and personal, you know, like mist humidifiers are great because everything is just more, 
um, effective and glides smoothly when it's, you know, well moisturized. So it just is a lot better um, on your voice if you're not kind of pushing through uh, dryness and irritation all the time. So, you know, that's just kind of like basic, um, you know, voice care. Um, also, you know, having good training is, is something that's really important. You know, sometimes I see people, um, kind of like mid career or later and, you know, they'll be singers or recording artists and I'll ask them, you know, what training they've done. And they say, Oh no, I just kind of like learned how to sing. Like I just always had a good voice. I always knew how to sing. And I'm like, well, maybe you always had a good voice, but I'm not sure you always knew how to sing, you know? And the stuff you got away with when you're in your twenties, maybe you're not getting away with later, you know. <laughs> That's one hundred percent true. Yeah, I think that so. if you think just in terms of being an athlete in general, like I, I joke, I, I run five Ks and I'm yeah. pretty fast for a lady my age. <laughs> but the proviso is for a lady my age, I get lapped by a fifteen year old. Yeah, well, especially at where you are, in, uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a runner myself, so I know the uh, the Newberry Park. Uh, no, those kids are fast. Is, that's legendary. Yeah, they are like 16 minutes of 5K. Like, there's yeah. no way at my age I could do that. But I think it's true to think of that. Remember that with your body in general, and your voice is true too. You know, you're not going to stay young forever. You know, yeah. your body's going to you're going to things are going to break down. Things are going to get harder as you train, but you have to keep training. Right. Just yeah. And develop good habits. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the, and like, it's easier to recover if you develop good habits early, you know, and, and if you have a good technique, you'll keep yourself out of trouble. So having, you know, an excellent singing teacher that knows what they're talking about and isn't just focused on repertoire and the way you sound, but also your technique is really yes. important. So, um, that's kind of what you can do, I think, proactively to stay out of our office. <laughs> yeah. And not that we want you not to have work, but yeah, 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 that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit. I know I've taken up a lot of your time today, and I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. Uh, before we stop, though, I do want to ask you because we've all had kind of a weird couple of years um, with COVID and coming out of COVID. Anything that a you're either seeing in your practice more now than you saw prior to COVID, things that maybe people developed coming out, and um, the impacts of COVID on singers that you've seen. Yeah, so I've been fortunate, at least in in my practice, where I've been lucky, where a lot of um, not a lot of the singers that I've seen have come down with COVID, or at least not particularly severe cases of it. Um, I know one thing that we had talked about before was kind of just the impact on on the airway of of covid and and injuries to it um you know intubation with a breathing tube is you know a fairly traumatic event um and when you know we have patients a lot of patients with covid that have been intubated for weeks and then um eventually get you know a tracheostomy to put the tube in below the level of vocal folds but you know while that tube is is in there for uh you know until the trach gets put in um it can be very damaging to the vocal folds so we do see patients who have um scarring and paralysis of one one of the vocal folds or kind of like you know um scarring below the level of the vocal cords and then um, that's been like a really uh, complicating airway issue for for us because dealing with scar in the airway is very challenging. 
um, that and the impact on the lungs from COVID is mm. just, you know, tremendous. So, um, and as, you know, again, as we've talked about, you know, that's really where all of your power comes from is from your lungs. So, you know, I mean, I guess in my personal experience, I've been lucky that, you know, not a lot of my patients who really care about their voice have been impacted too badly. Um, but I know that in general, people tend to come out sounding different than, than prior, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a, that was one of the big concerns for, for me and for the community that I work with, you know, looking at COVID and just trying to be a little careful if at all possible, you know, and a little extra cautious, not that there was much you can do, but sure. you know, to think about, to think about whatever you could and to be prepared for those, those outcomes. Yeah. Um, so with all that said, thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk to me and chat a little bit about what you do and kind of, I would say, allay some of the fears that singers have that we have that are, whether they're rational or not. Um, yeah. So the tips and a little bit of the, the education has been, it's been fabulous. And with that said, I'm wondering if you don't mind sharing a little bit about where you are these days oh, sure. and if there's a way people can come and see you if they need to come and see you and your practice and any of that fun, good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm, I'm now um, uh, working with Kaiser Permanente. I work from the Panorama City uh, hospital location, but um, I do see patients from kind of all over the valley uh, as, you know, I've kind of tried to develop more of a, a voice practice within our center. So, um, you know, I'll give you my email address so you can kind of put it in the show notes or something maybe Absolutely. if people okay. are welcome totally be in to email the show me. Notes. Yep, we'll do. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then, yeah, if you're, you know, within Kaiser, of course, I'm happy to see you. If you're not, I, you know, do know a lot of excellent other physicians kind of within the, within the Valley um, that we can refer you to. And, um, you know, I guess if I can plug one thing, um, I would say that, you know, Dr. Sadaloff has been uh, the chairman of the Voice Foundation for um, 30 years now. And for your audience who may not know much about the Voice Foundation, um, it's kind of this really great uh, community of um, both, you know, MDs and PhDs who do research on the voice and speech pathologists, um, a lot of whom are PhDs themselves. Uh, and singing teachers and performers. And there is an annual meeting every year in Philadelphia uh, that bringing all these kind of communities together. Um, and we also have a Southern California uh, voice chapter. I know people are listening from all over. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of their communities may have a chapter of the Voice Foundation themselves. So, you know, I'd encourage just kind of looking into it. Um, you know, our chapter puts on like quarterly meetings, um, which are great, you know, and they're not all like technical medical type of things. You know, actually the last one was just about like Alexander technique. Not that there's um, anything wrong with technical medical things either. Yeah, but it's boring <laughs> after a while. <laughs> no, it's cool for us too as doctors to see, you know, like the other other aspect of things and kind of learn. Um, you know, we actually do vocal warm-ups at the beginning of our meetings. And oh my gosh. A lot of us doctors are so not singers. We do vocal warm-ups at the beginning of our meetings. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. It's better uh, than that. 
<laughs> so we're, you know, we try to do like a really kind of like holistic approach and, you know, very similar to what you're doing, kind of like, you know, develop, uh, develop a community for, for, you know, singers and people who take care of the voice. Um, and hopefully that can be a good resource for, for you and your audience. That sounds wonderful. And I, again, I'll put some links in the notes for the, the show notes and you'll, that'll pop up probably on Apple and the other, the other platforms that are, that, that have the show notes there. So yeah. thanks again, Haig. It's so great to chat with you and it's so nice to hear from you. And I'm glad to see you're doing really well in your practice and uh, staying busy, but hopefully not too busy with too many singers coming out of COVID. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again. Well, that's all we have for today. I hope you learned something and I hope it helps you on your journey to master your voice. For more information about me, again, I'm Heidi Voss. Please take a look at my website at www.vossvoice.com. That's V as in Victor, A, S as in Sam, S as in Sam, voice.com. If you want to be a part of our community, find us on Facebook. Shoot us a little request, and I'd be happy to welcome you into our Master Your Voice Facebook group. It's a private group where we support one another, and we encourage each other's musical and creative journeys. So please, join us on Facebook. Check out my website if you're interested in more instruction. And at the very least, just keep singing. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da